Hello and welcome to Book Chatter, the monthly podcast sponsored by Longmont Public Library. I'm Barb. And I'm Jana. Your hosts for this episode and with me are... Joe. And Eileen. To share a bit about what they do at LPL and what they're reading or viewing now. So let's get started with introductions and then we'll move into our discussions. I'm Barb and uh, I work in adult services at Longmont Public Library. Been here since 2006 and a great part of what I do is uh, help staff the reference desk but also choose materials in various areas uh, in adult services. One of them is religion and mythology and that would be the 200s for Dewey Decimal fans. I take uh, the first half of the 600s which is applied sciences and uh, purchase materials for there as well. Um, and that would include things like gardening, uh, child rearing, uh, cooking, uh, which is probably my favorite area to choose from. And also I choose the, uh, the films, the DVDs and Blu-rays for the adult services collection. Do a little bit of assisting with programming as well and outreach. And Jana. Yeah, I'm also a librarian. I've been here since 2010. So I think I'm the most senior, mm. um, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I manage um, some collections. I manage adult graphic novels. Um, I'll be talking about that later. I will um, also manage the 100s, which is philosophy, um, ethics, psychology, things like that. We also have the 400s, which is language learning, world languages, and English, grammar, um, linguistics, that kind of thing. Um, I think those are all my areas. And Mm -hmm. then I do work at the public desk helping answer questions. And I also get the pleasure of uh, working on programs for adults. And I'd like to call out a couple ones that are coming up in March. Uh, March 4th, we have a program called Solar Energy and Agriculture Equals Agrivoltaics. We'll be talking about Jack's Solar Garden here in Longmont, which is a national model in agrivoltaics right now. Um, And then on March 21st, we are screening a film uh, at the Civic Center, actually, called Just Us, The Longing and Hope of LGBTQ People. And if you're interested in either of those programs, you can sign up and register on our programming page. Sounds good. And Joe? Uh, Yeah, my name is Joe. Uh, I'm a library assistant here at Longmont Public Library. I have been here since... uh, 2016, I think. Um, It's been seven or eight years. Mm -hmm. Um, I serve patrons at the circulation and help desks, and I also do a variety of tasks around the library, such as collecting holds for patrons, searching for claimed returns items, and (laughs) processing prospector requests. If you are unsure of what prospector is, it's a great service that we provide Um, If you are looking for some books and can't quite find them in the consortium or in our library, Prospector helps you look through libraries throughout Colorado. Mm -hmm. And it is accessible to patrons at the bottom of our catalog. If you scroll down when you don't find what you want, there's a gold miner down there, and you click on that gold miner, and it takes you to the other Colorado library catalogs. Thank you. And Eileen? Thank you, Barbara. I'm Eileen. Um, I'm the newbie on the block, having only been here for about nine months. Um, And I work at the Adult Services Reference Desk as a rough desk technician, and I've greatly enjoyed it since I've been here. I can often be found exploring the new fiction and new nonfiction shelves, and that actually plays a part in the books that I have chosen. Mm -hmm. 
It's a dangerous thing having all those new books sitting right in front of us at reference. All right, let's move into our recommendations for this episode. Along with our reactions to our picks, we'd like to touch a little bit on their readability and what makes them appealing to us. And I'll jump in with my two. I have uh, one nonfiction and one fiction. My Bright Abyss, Meditation of a Modern Believer by Christian Wyman, which came out actually in 2012. So it's it's uh, like a, a hidden gem in our collection. And The Vaster Wilds uh, by Lauren Groff. That's a novel that came out, uh, I believe, in September of 2023. So it's pretty new. And uh, to start with, My Bright Abyss. And, the, you know, the, the subtitle on this book really gives you a picture of what this book is about. In the early aughts, the author, Christian Wyman, uh, who is a well-known poet, and uh, at that point was the editor of Poetry Magazine, wrote a now famous essay about having faith in the face of death. My Bright Abyss, uh, composed in the difficult years since then and completed in the wake of a bone marrow transplant for the cancer he was uh, experiencing, is a moving meditation on what a viable contemporary faith, responsive not only to modern thought and science, but also to religious tradition might look like. And I would say this is a very readable book. It's under 200 pages, so it's short, but it is not a quick read. It is... It is something that you take in small bites and chew and meditate on and 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 cogitate because uh, I would say in addition to a poet, which you know means the language is is exquisite. Uh, he's a philosopher and he gives you uh, really deep observations on what it is to face cancer, what it is to fall in love late in life, what it is to. At at uh, he had kind of a triple whammy crisis at once. He. Um, lost his muse as a poet. He just stopped writing right at the point where he was becoming published. He fell in love in his 30s, um, quite out of the blue. And then cancer, blood cancer that was very rare and difficult to treat. Uh, and uh, in that triple whammy, he began to re-examine what are my core beliefs? What do I really believe is going on uh, in the face of death? And so it is it is beautifully written, but take your time. It's one of those reads that deserves um, time and maybe even rereading. And the second book I chose, The Vaster Wilds, a novel by Lauren Groff. Uh, I mostly uh, gravitated toward uh, because I saw the advanced press about this book. Lauren Groff is a pretty well-established writer, uh, and it is uh, it was getting some great noise. Now I'm trying to shut off the noise because I haven't cracked the book yet, and I don't want those reviews to color my thinking, I guess, about the book. But... Here's a description, anyway. A taut and electrifying novel from celebrated best-selling author Lauren Groff. It's about one spirited girl alone in the wilderness trying to survive. A servant girl escapes from a colonial settlement in the wilderness. She carries nothing with her but her wits, a few possessions, and the spark of God that burns hot within her. What she finds in this terra incognita is beyond the limits of her imagination, and will bend her belief in everything that her own civilization has taught her. So I can't wait to crack it. And I do know we have someone here in the uh, uh, room who has read this book. So without spoilers, (laughs) Tiana, (laughs) Uh, tell me what you think. (laughs) Yeah, 
I heard this was recommended on a, a podcast that I listened to, and it is gripping. I read it mm. um, on the plane on thanks, you know, Thanksgiving travel, mm-hmm. um, and it's just that kind of page turner. Um, but uh, she writes in a really poetic style um, that it's more than just here's a mass market paperback kind of mm-hmm. gripping. Mm-hmm. It's really beautiful. Um, and then she captures, I think she studied, she's a student of history and of that time period. And so there's a lot of really interesting detail about the new world and the old world. It's also, it's a tale of survival and being out in the wilderness as mm-hmm. a woman alone. But it's also a psychological thriller in mm-hmm. a way because she yeah. has, uh, she's integrating sort of what she's gone through and her trauma and why she had to run away mm-hmm. with um, just her survival day to day in the vaster wilds. Uh, so yes, it is intense, but I, I do recommend it. Fantastic. I can't wait to open this thing. <laughs> it's been sitting on the table since December, so I gotta get busy. Um, okay, Jana, I, uh, you can head right into your recommendations then. Yeah. First off, I do have a graphic novel recommendation since that is one of the areas I order for. There is a lovely new adaptation in the graphic format of Richard Adams' beloved story of a group of rabbits on an epic journey in search of home. You might remember that this is a story called Watership Down, and uh, every rabbit that stays behind is in great danger. We will welcome any rabbit who joins us. Uh, That's a quote. Uh, Watership Down is a classic tale of survival, hope, courage, and friendship that has delighted and inspired readers around the world for more than 50 years. Masterfully adapted by award-winning author James Strum and gorgeously illustrated by best-selling artist Joe Stutfin, this spectacular graphic novel will delight old fans and inspire new ones bringing the joy of Watership Down to a new generation of readers. And in fact, we took this on our uh, recent winter vacation with the boys. We went up skiing and uh, the boys really enjoyed having dad read it to them. Um, I don't recommend it, recommend it for younger children. My boys are 10 and uh, 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it has some violence in it. It sure does. Yeah. And it is a graphic novel. But um, it's about rabbits, and I think kids really relate to animal stories mm-hmm. uh, and the, the drama that the rabbits go through. It, yeah, and I, I really love the pictures, so recommend that. And my second one is one that I have been listening to. It is called Whale Fall, um, and it is a novel. Um, it, Jay Gardner has given himself a fool's errand to find the remains of his deceased father in the Pacific Ocean off the coast of Monastery Beach. He knows it's a long shot, but Jay feels it's the only way for him to lift the weight of guilt he has carried since his dad's death by suicide the previous year. The dive begins well enough, but the sudden appearance of a giant squid puts Jay in very real jeopardy, made infinitely worse by the arrival of a sperm whale looking to feed. Suddenly, Jay is caught in the squid's tentacles and drawn into the whale's mouth where he is pulled into the first of its four stomachs. He quickly realizes he has only one hour before his oxygen tank runs out, one hour to defeat his demons and escape the belly of a whale. So it's, I know, it is, oh yes, I I forgot to talk about readability. Mm -hmm. 
But yeah, this guy here, um, I would say listenability was only a three because it's very dramatic. It's very intense. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's hard to take that when you're listening for me <laughs> driving. Mm -hmm. Yes, um, oh, driving. I yeah. would recommend maybe reading it instead of um, mm -hmm. listening to it. But the, uh, the reader does a good job. But in terms of just it as a story, um, it is also very gripping. It's a story of survival as well. I guess I like survival stories. Oh. And it, I also love stories about the wilderness. And it's nature writing, but it's under the sea. And so I think we get a lot less of that. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think about that as much because I'm not a diver. Yes. We don't have access to the oceans here in Colorado. And, um, but I learned, I've been learning a lot about marine life um, and just thinking about what it means to, to be an explorer in that world that the author points out we know very little about the oceans mm -hmm. in comparison to the land. Yeah. Um, and then it's also, it is also a psychological uh, drama because he's also processing, um, you know, the relationship with his father, this kind of overbearing guy who is sort of a philosopher type um, that's always quoting Cannery Row to mm. him and gets mm. by on these odd jobs mm -hmm. that he has to support Jay and his sisters and Jay has a falling out with his dad and you know his dad like gets a cancer diagnosis um, and the family's processing that and Jay just runs away um, instead of you know being there and I think a lot of us can relate to like overbearing father figures or you know family drama and, and falling oh, yeah. out and so he's you know trying to process that while going to look for his dad's remains um, so this was recommended to me by uh, a patron that I have gotten to know over the years and we we share recommendations back and forth Brian yes um, and and so this is not something I would have normally picked up but I was like well Brian liked it um, give it Brian, a shot. <laughs> Brian loved it hmm. and so I decided to give it a try and yeah I do I do also recommend it fantastic Joe, your recommendations? Um, I picked up two nonfiction books um, because um, I noticed in the past few years in my life, I've been in a negative headspace. Mm -hmm. And I thought with the new year, rather than make New Year's resolutions, um, I would just make some foundational changes in how I live my life. You know, mm -hmm. minor things oh, minor like things. that. <laughs> um, so um, with that in mind, I picked up um, 2016's The Book of Joy. Uh, which is a collaboration between His Holiness the Dalai Lama, the Archbishop Desmond Tutu, and Douglas Abrams. Mm. And then I kind of paired it with um, the 2022 third edition of Jay Early's Self Therapy, uh, which is a guide to using IFS, um, a method of psychotherapy, to work on issues like self-esteem, procrastination, depression, and relationship um, issues. Mm. Um, for both of them, the readability is really easy. Mm -hmm. Getting through it is not oh <laughs> because mm -hmm. the concepts involved are really huge. Um, so the Book of Joy was written, um, came out of a week-long meeting of the three authors in April of 2015, um, in part to celebrate the Dalai Lama's 80th birthday mm -hmm. and to talk about how to find joy in the face of suffering. Um, they discuss the nature of joy, um, obstacles to joy, and the eight pillars of joy. And what, if I've, what I have found so fascinating about this book is that what they are discussing is multifaceted and complex. 
and they all concede that finding compassion and forgiveness for people which they contend leads to finding joy is not easy it's a lot of work um, but that it is possible and they even suggest that um, finding compassion is our inherent nature and that the work is really rewarding um, so I really like that the Dalai Lama brings um, his Buddhist perspective to these subjects. Um, Archbishop Desmond Tutu discusses them from his Christian Anglican perspective. And then Douglas Abrams um, brings in the scientific arguments that support what the other two men are speaking about um, from the spiritual perspective. So you get all of it. Um, and Douglas Abrams often lets the two other men speak and then he kind of says, okay, and I've learned from this study that this is true. Um, so it's really cool, um, very cool blending of ideas um, and then uh, Self Therapy by Jay Early um, is doing kind of a similar thing, um, helping the reader find a little less suffering um, by resolving deep-seated emotional issues. Mm. I don't have those, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, I do have those. <laughs> uh, and he uses um, internal family systems uh, model of psychotherapy um, Internal Family Systems, or IFS, is an integrative approach to psychotherapy that was developed in the 1980s by Richard C. Schwartz. Mm -hmm. And it posits that the mind is made up of multiple parts or subpersonalities, and that each of those subpersonalities have their own viewpoints on your life and their own qualities that affect how you live your life. Um, and then there is also in this modality a core or capital S self mm -hmm. um, that operates in each of us. And so IFS seeks to work with all the internal parts to create integration and bring your mind back to mental balance. Um, I really like the way this book is organized. Like I said, it's an easy read, um, but it has exercises in it. So it explains, this is what you do in a therapy session with IFS. And now here's an exercise. It's the exercises. Um, I'm not very far in the book and it's because it's the exercises that I do them and then I kind of go, okay, wow, I really need to set this aside, process what I just learned for a few days, and then I'll come back to it. Mm -hmm. But you um, don't write in it. You don't well. I bought. I bought this book because I knew I was going to write. Like I was going to highlight. Although I was very excited that we do have it on our shelves. That you don't write in. But otherwise, yes, I'm marking it all up, and I kind of, I kind of came to IFS because my niece is studying for her PhD in psychotherapy, and she, after a bout of depression last year, she was like, "You should look into this." And I was like, "Well, if my niece says it," and then I've also got a yoga teacher on Facebook who's constantly quoting the IFS Center or something like that. And then finally, I asked a therapist friend of mine, "Hey." I'm looking into IFS, and she recommended this book, and I was like, okay. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to being more integrated. <laughs> so, so good. <laughs> As I finally get through this book, <laughs> but I yeah. it's like I said, it's a really easy read, mm -hmm. and it's I'm having a lot of fun, oh, even good. though it's like, wow, this is really deep. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, excellent, Eileen, your recommendations. Well, I have two books that are both nonfiction. And I'm, I'm thinking of what attracted me to them. 
The first one is called Black Hole Blues and Other Songs from Outer Space by a woman named Jana Levin, who is an astrophysicist and cosmologist. And really, it was the title that drew uh, me uh, in. Sometimes um, that's the thing. Well, that sounds interesting. Um, it is a history, basically, of the discovery of gravitational waves and the development of the Laser Interferometer Gravitational Wave Observatory, or LIGO. Mm -hmm. This was a 50-year process. So Einstein, in 1916, um, he predicted the existence of gravitational waves, mm -hmm. and he had no way to verify that or anything. But um, what are gravitational waves? They're sounds without a material medium generated by the unfathomably energy-producing collision of black holes. Wow. And I went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I really started reading it just because I guess I get kind of interested and intrigued in books uh, about the sciences and about things that I don't know about. Yeah. Not that I would ever want to be an astrophysicist, but mm -hmm. um, I was always a humanities geek. Yeah. So I have, in the last years of most recent years, been exploring things that I never learned about. Hmm. And physics and astronomy are kind of fall into that category. Mm -hmm. But the idea of, of gravitational waves being able to detect them, because when it was finally accomplished in, in 2015, mm. it took 50 it years to do this, long. because wow. the author, Jen Levin, goes through the process of people in astronomy and cosmology who got interested in how could you prove Einstein's prediction about mm -hmm. gravitational waves and mm -hmm. how could they be detected. Well, it took 50 years to kind of develop the ability to do that. Right. Um, fortunately, from 1.4 billion light years away. Jeez. So <laughs> that was the first discovery in it because the, the energy generated by black hole collisions is, uh, what did someone say? It's something like a trillion times the power of a billion suns. Oh gosh, it's hard Sending to waves mm -hmm. in the shape of space-time washing over the Earth. Mm -hmm. But the, they were, she went through the whole history of the people who got involved, the personalities involved, the scientists who got involved, mm -hmm. the four, four or five primary figures who got involved in it, and the creation of the LIGO, um, Observatory, and it's funding by the National Science Foundation, which is the the project that National Science Foundation spent the most money on ever. Mm -hmm. I believe it, <laughs> and it's intriguing. Uh, as far as readability, um, I I'm always pulled into things that where scientists, I want, to, I want to see if the scientists can make very complex subjects understandable yeah. to the lay reader. Right. And so that kind of posits the fact that those people have to be pretty good writers as well. Right, yeah. Um, 
and some are more successful than others. I found it readable, I guess, because I got pulled into the story about the people, because she spends the first half of the book characterizing those individuals mm -hmm. and their specialties and right. how they all came together. And, um, so it was kind of both a scientific history, but also a study of people and look at the material you're dealing with, people, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so mm -hmm. oh, so it was kind of interesting uh, because there were conflicts and there were, there was, you know, and politics that oh, emerge in the, in the development yeah. of some big effort like this. But I found it pretty readable and it, it held my attention. Mm -hmm. So that had it in its favor. I didn't put it down and then never go back to it. Right. So I, I enjoyed reading it um, about something I have no understanding of mm -hmm. and gravitational waves. The ability to detect them is so minuscule. Mm -hmm. the, the, by the time the, the wave hit the Earth in 2015, it was like a fraction of a second that wow. it detected some this gravitational wave. So mm -hmm. it was astonishing. And it's just the fact that our science has progressed this far that people, that, that black holes are not a fairy tale. Mm -hmm. Black holes exist and they do collide with one another. And the fact that the, the amazing science of the universe has been able to to be carried on to that degree is kind of astonishing. It is. it is. So it was an interesting book. But like I said, I think it was the title that pulled me in. Right. And actually, I think Black Hole Blues was appropriate because there were a lot of, um, there was a lot of, you know, as, there, as would be in a situation like this, a lot of argument back and forth, a lot of discussion. Well, that can't be, and, mm -hmm. you know, so, so it was kind of an intriguing, intriguing premise mm -hmm. on her part. So I found it kind of enjoyable. Great. The other one she created from all the work that she had done, she created um, she created the what were called the nut well, she called her dioramas, the whole collection of them be called nutshell dioramas. Hmm. Okay. And that's what she traveled around with mm -hmm. and spoke to um, spoke to police departments and coroners and and was very instrumental actually in improving the knowledge and expertise for qualifying coroners oh yeah which was interesting she laid the groundwork yeah she really like. did yeah. it was a it, and i found it a very readable book i mean mm -hmm. it took i didn't and one of the reasons i read it was that i had a great niece who was getting closer to her college years. And um, she had a notion that she might want to go into forensics. Mm, okay. And I, I thought, well, this is an interesting book. I'll read it. And I ended up gifting it to her as well. But um, needless to say, she uh, decided to go in the direction of her art instead of forensics. So <laughs> 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 but, um, but it was an interesting book. Mm. So we, we have uh, it in our read. collection, right? Yes, we yeah. do. We should have all these books, I believe. Yeah. Oh, I hope we so. do our have collection. 18 Tiny Deaths. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, we do have that one in both Black Hole Blues, which 
was a newer book that just came in, I think, in November mm -hmm. or December. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great. And yeah, both of my picks were probably within the last year. And I think I forgot to credit the author of Wheel Fall, so I just do that really oh, quickly. Sure. It is by Daniel Krauss. So Mm -hmm. uh, and just to wrap up, uh, we hope that you have enjoyed this discussion of what some of our staff are discovering and enjoying this month at the Longmont Library. Our discussion next month will feature new guests, so tune in for even more recommendations and, you know, a chance to get to know some uh, different staff members that helped serve you. And if you'd like to share what you're reading and loving right now, uh, please fill out the form on our website under the Book Chatter page, and we would love to feature your submission next time. Thanks for listening to Book Chatter, What Longmont's Reading. 